calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie. Book two, preseason. He waited for it, waited for the punch out. His pulse raced in a way it never did on the football field, a panicky way. He felt anxious, tried to control his breathing. This is your 14th flight. Everything went fine before. The ship started to vibrate just a little. A thin sheen of sweat covered his hands, which clutched tightly to his playbook message board. They were about to drop out of punch space and back into what people once called reality. This is the most statistically safe method of travel in the galaxy. Statistics didn't stop newscasts, however, especially newscasts of passenger ships forever lost in punch space or the horrific remains of a ship that met some stray piece of debris during the punch out back to relativistic speeds. They called it the reality wave the feeling that washed over the ship when it dropped out of punch space and back into regular time. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be... His breath seized up and he squeezed his eyes shut as the shutter hit. That sickening feeling of splitting or spreading. He knew everything blurred, himself included. He'd seen that blurring the first time he'd flown. Seeing it once was enough. Oh, hi one, oh, hi one, oh, no, oh, no. And then it was over. He forced himself to relax, forced open his tightly clenched teeth. He opened his eyes. The observation deck was still there. Quentin slowly let out a long-held breath. Everyone else on the deck looked relaxed. Everyone else always did. He liked to tell himself that they were just oblivious to the danger, rather than tell himself to stop being such a pansy. Four seasons in the PNFL had taken him to every major city in the Pyrrhus nation. He'd seen all four planets, Mason, Solomon, Allah, and Stuart, as well as most of the colonies. Space travel was nothing new to Quentin, but this time, it was different. This was his first trip alone, without the familiarity of his teammates. But on this flight, he certainly didn't suffer for lack of attention. On a ship full of Pyrrhus nation businessmen, The league's MVP never went wanting for a drink 
or a dinner or some fat old fool looking to shake his hand. One guy on this ship, Manny Sayed, followed him everywhere, trying to get Quentin to endorse his luxury yacht company. Quentin wasn't endorsing anything just yet. He didn't want to associate himself with one company before he signed with an advertising firm that could connect him to the hundreds of industries trying to cash in on the phenomenal marketing power of the GFL. The distance of this trip also made it different. The purest nation was only 20 light years across at its widest. Most flights took only half a day. This time, however, he was at the edge of the galactic core, at Kretorak, the end of a three-day journey of some 45 light years. Quentin stared out the huge observation window, looking into space as the passenger liner gradually slowed to a halt some ways off the Kretorakian orbital station Emperor II. It was a huge construct, bigger than anything Quentin had ever seen. Hundreds of ships surrounded the station, all a respectful distance away. The tiny, flashing dots that were shuttles constantly flew back and forth from the ships to the station, like a glowing rainstorm, simultaneously falling toward and away from mile-long piers that jutted out from the station's equator. He heard the rhythmic clonk of a now-familiar footstep. Quentin grimaced, waiting for the fat voice to speak. You think this is big? You should see Emperor One, said Manny Sad. It's almost twice as big. He bore the forehead tattoo and the blue robe of a confirmed churchman, a big robe to cover his wide girth. He also brandished a half dozen rings fashioned from the rare metals of the galaxy and a wopal necklace suffused with a glowing silvery light. Manny's left leg was missing just below the knee, yet he managed to turn even his handicap into a show of wealth. His platinum, jewel-studded prosthetic leg announced his presence wherever he walked. Three days ago, the ostentatious show of wealth on a man wearing the blue took Quentin by surprise. The ship was full of such men. Businessmen, who paid lip service to the tenets of the church, but also bore the trappings of a more powerful religion. Commerce. I'm just taking in the scenery by myself, if you don't mind, Quentin said. I don't mind at all. Manny stood next to Quentin and looked out the bubble like viewport. Hell of a sight. Quentin shook his head and sighed. It's ironic, Manny said. Kretorak is somewhat like the purest nation. No non Kretorakians are allowed on the planet. All transgalactic activity is handled on one of the five orbital stations. While we do it for religious purposes, the Kretorakians do it for reasons of defense. Why do they need to worry about that? They rule the whole freaking galaxy. Manny laughed. If you add it up, there's over 400 billion humans, Ki, Hurrah, Sklorno, and Leaky who will do anything to end that rule. Patriots attack Kretorakian garrisons all over the galaxy, every day. Imagine what they do if they could actually land on the Kretorakian homeworld. Quentin noticed that Manny used the word patriots instead of terrorists. They think all the other races are too warlike to be trusted. Don't forget your history, my son. They hid their sentience from the rest of the galaxy for over two centuries. They just sat there and listened to the rest of us killing each other. No offense, Mr. Sayed, but I've had my history lessons. I'd like to be by myself now. You're headed to the Combine, am I right? Quentin nodded. Manny pointed to a bright star off the port side. That's it right there. 
Quentin leaned into the window and stared at his future. What's it like? Manny shrugged. Looks like any other station, really. Used to be a prison station, where the Kretorakians shipped their prisoners of war during the takeover. Well, that's just a myth. Afraid it's quite true, my son. From 2643 to 2659, the station that is now the Combine was one of the worst places to be in the entire galaxy. They kept thousands of prisoners there. Not that many people made it out, and those that did were never the same. Why is that? Torture, interrogation. The Kretorakians wanted to learn everything they could about their new subjects, and they view prisoners of war as property. Kretorakians breed in the billions, and they only live for 10 or 15 years, so death doesn't mean the same thing to them as it does to us. Great. So I'm headed to a former prison station that was used to torture and execute millions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Manny smiled and reached up to clap Quentin on the shoulder. Oh, come on, my son. You're on your way to the GFL. Hell, if I made it out alive, a big kid like you will have no problems. Quentin looked inquisitively at the fat man. You were in the Combine? Manny's smile faded, and he shook his head. Not the Combine. You might say I was an original tenant. Quentin's eyes went wide with surprise. He hadn't met many veterans of the takeover. The majority of soldiers who served in that short, failed war were long since dead. Kretorakians fought viciously and rarely left their enemies alive. Which planet did you fight on? Allah. Manny stared out the viewport. The home world itself. They only managed to land four ships. Our boys in the sky destroyed about 400 others. We like to remember that we destroyed 99% of the infidels, but that last 1% was all they needed. High One knows that was all they were planning for, with their strategy of victory through overwhelming numbers. The Kretorakians packed one million soldiers onto each landing vessel, packed them in there like a gas, filling up every nook and cranny. And they came out like a gas, too, an endless cloud of them. We had a half a million soldiers on the ground, so just like that, We were outnumbered nearly ten to one. Manny's voice trailed off, the memory etching a tired, sad expression on his face. What was it like? Quentin asked. The fighting, I mean. Manny laughed a dark, hopeless laugh. Don't believe what the holy men write in the history books. It wasn't a fight. It was a slaughter. They moved so fast, flying in low, millions of them. 
so many you could barely make out an individual amongst the masses. You've seen the sparrows flocking on Allah? Quentin nodded. Well, think of that. Except they're so thick, they darken the sky, the entire horizon, and each one carries a little entropic rifle. I remember the first wave came flying over the hill, and we let them have it. Sonic cannons, laser sweeps, shrapnel dust, you name it. We killed thousands of them, tens of thousands, but the rest just poured over us. I was hit in that first wave. Quentin didn't want to look at Manny's leg, but he had to, then looked up again. The rifle take off your leg? Manny smiled, a sad smile with no humor, as his eyes looked into some faraway memory. No, my son, I did that myself. I was hit in the shin. I don't know why I didn't go into shock like most of my friends did when they were hit. I looked down and my leg was just disintegrating, down towards my foot and up my leg as well. Those entropic rifles. If you don't get to the wound fast, there's nothing left of you. I got out my hatchet and I just swung. Quentin winced at the thought of such horror. Manny's eyes refocused and he looked at Quentin. Well, anyways... We beat off that initial attack. My friends, the few that were left alive, managed to stabilize my wound. But the bats came again. There had to be at least 200,000 in that wave. I watched every one of my friends disintegrate within 30 seconds. That's how fast it was over. 30 seconds. Did your history books tell you that? Quentin shook his head. The history books tell us the fight went on for days. Right, Manny said. Figures. It was over just like that. For some reason, the high one spared me, and then they just shot everyone around me while I stood there, firing away, killing a few, as they ignored me. The funny thing is, when I got back home, all the holy men called my survival a miracle. They said the high one was watching over me. I guess there were only a few miracles to go around. There weren't any available to all my friends or the 490,000 men that died that day. When everyone else was gone, the bats surrounded me and told me to surrender or die. Regardless of what I'm told awaits me on the other side, I'm not that partial to dying. They drugged me up and shipped me off to what's now known as the Combine. Quentin waited for more of the story, but Manny said nothing. What was it like? Quentin asked finally. What did they do to you? Manny shook his head and forced a practice businessman smile. I don't talk about that anymore, my son. High one saw fit to see me through. But you don't worry about it. It's a different world now. The Kretorakians run everything, and they're very fond of the GFL, so they won't hurt the players. I know a lot of nationalites think you're a race trader for leaving, but I hope you do well. Just try to not get killed in the first season. That's always embarrassing. Uh, I'll do my best. A flock of five Kretorakians flew onto the observation deck in a sudden blur of motion. Just as quickly, they perched on any available surface. Manny, Quentin, and three other humans on the observation deck froze in place, a reaction bred from thousands of stories of Kretorakians shooting anyone who moved too fast or in a threatening manner. The five-pound, winged creatures all wore the tiny silver vests that marked them as security forces, and each held a small entropic rifle. Manny started to sweat, and the fat on his chin quivered, but 
he stayed perfectly still. The credit-rocking body consisted of, ironically, a football-shaped trunk, one end of which tapered off into a flat, two-foot-long tail, like the body of a tadpole, but with the tail flat on the horizontal plane instead of the vertical. Their bodies were different shades of red, some a solid color, some with splotchy patterns of pink or purple. Thin, short legs ended in feet with three thin, splayed toes that curled up around anything available. Two pair of foot-long arms reached out from either side of the body. The upper pair were webbed with membranous, patterned wings that ran from the tip of the arm to the base of the tail. The bottom pair looked just like the first, but without the membrane. The bottom arms held the deadly entropic rifles. Quentin had always found Kretorakian heads rather revolting. Three pair of eyes lined the round head. A pair that looked straight ahead, a pair that sat a bit below those and on the outside looking out to the left and the right, and a pair that pointed straight down. Quentin Barnes, two of them said in unison, their brassy, high-pitched voices sounding almost as one. The other three simply sat, feet shuffling back and forth. You will come with us. Quentin let out a slow breath and tried to calm his heart rate. Not since he'd been a child of eleven had a bat actually spoken to him. There had been a riot at the mines. When the bats came to break it up, they killed fifteen men. Good luck, my son, Manny said as he bowed twice in the respectful manner of the church. He handed Quentin a small plastic chip. My card. I'll be at Emperor One for a week, so if you need anything, give me a call. And think about my offer. You'd look very photogenic at the helm of a luxury yacht. Quentin slipped the chip into his pocket. Thanks, he said, then walked out of the observation deck. The Kretorakians whipped into a hovering formation around him, surrounding him like an honor guard. An honor guard or a prison escort? I've got armed military guards leading me to a former prison station. Great. Just great. Somehow, his introduction to the Galactic Football League wasn't quite as glamorous as he had expected. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.